Hey there, it's Matt. Welcome to Food Under Fire, where we explore grace and resilience in the food system. More than any previous episode, today's podcast has me thinking about the future of food. How will our tastes change? What will be phased out? What will be commonplace? I'm talking 2030, 2040, 2050. What's that going to look like? If we're going to create a more sustainable world, we have to change the way we eat. And I mean that in more ways than one. Shop local more often and consider eating foods that have a less harmful effect on the environment. And as you'll hear in this episode, we may have to start eating things that are, well, a bit outside our comfort zone. Stay tuned. Before we get into today's episode, be sure to follow the podcast on the official Instagram page, which you can now find at Food Under Fire Pod. You can find it on Facebook as well under the same name. Keep in mind that I recently launched a Patreon for the podcast. Patreon is a service where, for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content and even merch. It's optional, but if you're interested, visit patreon.com slash foodunderfire. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash food under fire. Find the link in the description as well. And of course, if you enjoy the show, consider subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You could also share with a friend or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. So when's the last time you purposely ate a bug? Yes, you heard me right. I said purposely. Sorry to burst your bubble, but in your lifetime, it is likely that you've eaten bugs, well, bug parts, on accident. Let's look at these numbers provided by the FDA. And if you're eating something right now, I suggest you stop. Forty insect fragments are allowed with every teaspoon of black pepper. 30 insect fragments are allowed for every 100 grams of peanut butter. Golden raisins are allowed to contain 10 or more whole insects for every 8 ounces. And there could be as many as 450 insect parts in every 16 ounce box of spaghetti. Add up all the other numbers and we may as well be eating 2 pounds of bugs every year. Okay, okay, I'm done, but you get the point. Bugs are inescapable. Our food system is simply too big and too complex to avoid them. So we might as well embrace them, right? And you know, embracing bugs doesn't have to be gross. In fact, it can be quite delicious. There are a lot of entry-level insects that just straight up have a pleasant nutty flavor. But regardless of whether or not you're ready to eat them, we seem to be trending in their favor. 
According to research reported in the New York Times, the American market for edible insects exceeded 55 million in 2017 and is projected to increase more than 43% by 2024. We are late to the party though. The Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations reports that 2 billion people around the world eat bugs as a part of their standard diet. You can even make a greater case for bugs when you consider their nutritional value and their potential for sustainability efforts. They're packed with protein, omega-3 fats, iron, magnesium, calcium, zinc. As for sustainability, they require very little space to farm and they generate far fewer greenhouse gases. At this point, it's just a matter of perception. Understandably, we're detested by bugs as unwanted guests in our households. But let's think about the other stuff we eat. Lobsters are essentially giant seafloor bugs, and the fact that hot dog consumption is so common, considering what those are filled with, bugs don't seem so gross after all. No matter how you look at it, bugs are a tricky business, and that's why I wanted to learn more. So I decided to visit Three Cricketeers Cricket Farm in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Owned by Chad and Claire Simons, Three Cricketeers is the first cricket farm in the state of Minnesota. If anyone knows bugs, it's these people. So, on a rainy afternoon, right before Thanksgiving, I decided to pay them a visit at their headquarters. Oh, hi, are you Chad? I am, you Matt? Yeah, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, how you doing? Good, good. Cool. Claire walked out shortly after. We chatted for a while, and soon we began the tour. When you walk into the building, it looks and feels like a commercial office space. But things get a little different the farther down you go. We descend a flight of stairs into a large warehouse area. A small portion of the room is sanctioned off as a licensed kitchen. Straight ahead, I see a wall of layered insulation panels. One after another, we step through each layer of insulation. <laughs> wow, yeah, it'll feel good for like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> when you're working, it's Yeah, how long are you in here at a time? Like um, at time. Four hours, probably. Four I can be here for a while, yeah. The room fills with the mating calls of crickets, millions of them. It's around 85 degrees, just the way they like it. In the corner of this room is a small add-on, which is the incubator. It's even hotter in there, and it's where the eggs and larvae are kept. Uh, we'll take a little quick peek in the incubator. Oh, it looks good. After the tour, we head back upstairs and I get everything set up. Once we finally get to talking, the conversation begins with a classic 2020 topic, masks. You didn't want to wear your giant mask. Okay. <laughs> you have a giant mask? Uh, she's probably talking about my black mask. Is that the one? The other one for the floor. Oh, yeah. So when I'm doing the uh, crickets, you know, and I'm, especially when I'm gathering them, a lot of dust kicks up in the air. And um, so I have this P100 mask. It looks like a gas mask because it has like <laughs> it has filters on both sides. <laughs> the only thing it doesn't have is like the goggles over your eyes. Oh. You probably should wear those too. I, I saw a guy at the grocery store last week with a straight up gas mask. I've seen that too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. People people just you know they just go for it. Yep. Would you ever wear that in public? If I had to, but okay. probably wouldn't by by choice. No. Right. My dad was in the Army Reserves, and he had one of those, and we used to put that on as a kid. And 
<laughs> run around the house. I'm like, oh my gosh, people actually are wearing those right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, seeing that gas mask the other day, I kind of just laughed to myself just how absurd and insane everything is right now. That that was like the moment where, I've, of course, I've had that moment many times this year. Yeah. But in that moment, I was once again reminded, my God, what is going on in the world right now? <laughs> what is going on exactly? <laughs> Yeah, seems like there's like several different levels of acceptance of what's going on or like different versions of reality for what's going on. But it's interesting to see where everybody is, you know, I guess. Yeah. And and the fear is always fluctuating kind of depending on what officials say. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. that the fear has spiked once again ever since Governor Waltz came out with his newest shutdown order. And now people are like a little bit freaked out again and you know it's it's so it's so interesting i can again the grocery store example i can even see it out in public like in the summer when i was getting groceries everyone was wearing masks of course but i mean i wasn't really seeing many people using gloves but the other day i saw a cashier not only wear gloves but use hand sanitizer on her gloves oh, i was wow. like oh my god okay <laughs> we are level. really in it now <laughs> next level <laughs> so the, the world definitely needs saving right now, and hopefully a vaccine can do that. But speaking of saving the world, can, can crickets save the world? I mean, there, there hey. is something to be said about how sustainable they are. And I personally don't know much about that. I don't know enough. And that's why I'm here with you guys. Great. Well, I think that crickets can definitely be part of the solution for several things, you know, health-related or even climate change. But I wouldn't say they're the only solution by any means. Um, for example, you know, you take a cricket, it, it needs far less land to grow than like other conventional forms of protein, like uh, cattle, for example, or chickens or pigs. Um, whereas, but you're still getting a lot of protein. You, you get like, uh, what is it? Um, I'm looking for my <laughs> Does statistics it say on, here. The, on the wall here behind <laughs> yeah. us. No, but per, per pound, let's say, of protein, you're going to use probably like two times less feed than chickens, six times less feed than cattle, something like that. Um, water, it's like 20,000 times less water. Wow. Is that right, Claire? Yep. Yeah, so from a sustainability perspective, crickets are by far very helpful and part of the solution to the environmental problems we face. And you could probably talk about a little bit about um claire the health, the, the health, the health side benefits. of things yeah so crickets are all protein i mean about 60 percent protein and you eat the whole bug so nothing's wasted and there are a lot of new studies that we're excited that are coming out more and more now um high protein they have prebiotic fiber which we're finding is anti-inflammatory, anti-hypertensive, and anti-diabetic. So crickets can help you with that. Um, They also are just so nutrient dense. They have magnesium, calcium, iron, zinc, phosphorus, uh, manganese, B vitamins, and most importantly, B12, which is really difficult to find. Especially if I was, I was primarily plant-based when we started this. And and B12 is hard to come across when you're mm -hmm, plant-based, yeah. And so with, you know, being plant-based, starting to eat bugs, that was pretty scary. (laughs) But, you know, for the B12 in itself right there. Um, So it's just like this power-packed source of nutrients. 
But but in terms of nutrient density, and I mm -hmm. mean, crickets are so small. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there a way that we can get these nutrients at appropriate levels? Does grinding them into a powder fix that? Or do you, looking at their size, mm -hmm. in my head, I'm like, Okay, so do I have to eat like a gallon of crickets to get some of these benefits? Because right, you really don't. There's so many nutrients, but they're so small. I mean, right. are they just, is it just that dense? Yes, it really is. Two tablespoons of the powder is about 16 grams of protein. Wow. So an ounce of the whole roasted. So, and that's usually about what a serving is. And that's like 20 grams of protein. So, and it's for both of those numbers. I mean, it, the B12 is 250% of your daily needed value. Yeah. And they're a complete protein. So when you're talking about the balance of nutrients yeah. in a cricket, not only is it hitting all the essential amino acids that people need, but if you take, for example, the fatty acids like the omega-3s and the omega-6s, yeah. they're at the, the, the exact proportion that the human body needs as well. It's really interesting like how it's almost like the cricket and many other insects are tailored to what the human diet requires. It's pretty interesting. And the prebiotic fiber, it, you have this high, high protein and fiber. And that's really, I mean, besides with plants, you really don't have that anywhere else. Tell me about your respective backgrounds and how you even got to this space, because it's just such an uncommon, <laughs> unique Claire's area to just start an entire business on. I mean, you're, you're the first in Minnesota to focus on this, right? And you're uh, rare in the Midwest and just in general. But yeah, just tell me about the origin story. So yeah, I, I guess it starts with me because <laughs> I was in law school, environmental law school, Vermont Law School. And um, that's where I first came across the idea that conventional farming can really have a pretty big impact on our environment. I mean, if you just think about regular tilling, you know, a lot of the topsoil gets washed down the Mississippi River and into the Gulf of Mexico, that type of thing. So I was kind of aware of it then. But then I ran into this guy who was studying um, certain feed for cattle and how they, it could reduce the amount of methane and other you know, carbon dioxide or the carbon emissions in the atmosphere by reducing the amount of methane that cattle emit. And I was like, wow, Seriously, agriculture has that much of an impact and we can actually do things about it to actually improve our environment. So that's kind of where the idea was first introduced for me. Then much later on, uh, my son came home with a cricket cookie on Earth Day and I was like, whoa, you know, maybe we can eat something different, you know, not just cattle, but people can too, you know, and then that's when the light bulb turned on. Shortly after that, I'm growing like crickets down in our basement. <laughs> Thank God Claire let me do that. Yeah. And it, it turned out really well. We we scaled up and here we are, you know. We would have conversations at night and he would just say, there's not going to be enough water. There's too many people <laughs> on the planet. I'm like, can I just watch Netflix? <laughs> right. I'm like, you don't have to worry. Don't take this all on. Um, but I think he just knew he really wanted to do something, you know, and, and being a lawyer was doing something, but he wanted to do more. So I think... When he started researching different proteins and different alternative proteins and said, okay, we're, let's just start this in our basement. I thought, okay, uh, all right. And actually it was fun. It was fine. We were able to breed them and the eggs hatched. And apparently we found out that was really difficult to do right away. So we thought we're supposed to be doing this. <laughs> You're <and> naturals. <laughs> you were naturals. And I mean, I'm a maternity nurse. That was kind of my... That's my thing. Um, I think once we kind of started 
and we brought the boys into it and we were kind of having fun with this. Then I really started looking at the nutritional profile and I was absolutely blown away and started kind of sneaking it in all our foods and just the boys love it. They're our best taste testers. And I think just seeing that it really is easy and it's not this scary thing and you kind of can de demystify it in a way. Um, we quickly then grew out of our basement and <laughs> got about a 700 square foot I don't know, glorified storage space. And we had these giant tents set up and we were in there farming and quickly grew out of that. And I think coming here into this space really it took off and we realized this is really something cool that we could do. So explain the process of what cricket farming looks like. Oh yeah. So, I mean, there's basically three steps, you know, breeding, growing and harvesting. So the breeding is where we collect the eggs and put them in the incubator and they take about seven days to hatch. And then we transfer them into pens and we build habitats for them. They like to hide. They like their feed and they like their water. They really like high temperature and a bit of, humidity as well. So we make sure they have all that. About four weeks later, they're ready to harvest. Um, we shake them off into a collection bin and we put them into a freezer where they cool down to a temperature that they go into hibernation. And so once they're asleep, then Claire takes over. Yeah. Once they're cooled and they possibly could wake up again, but we take them into the kitchen, rinse them. So we have a big three or four step rinsing process we blanch them and so you're cooking them but then cooling them down again and then we dehydrate them for about eight hours so they're really it's at a low temperature so you're really retaining all the nutrients and it's really like what other cultures have done in other countries where they blanch them and then sun dry them so we're trying to really do that same process here um, once they're dehydrated we can either season them whole, we can crush them, put them in the adventure bars, or we mill them into a really fine powder. And the powder is denser. I mean, I guess you could say it's similar to an almond flour because of those oils and the omega-3s and fatty acids. But um, then you can really put it in anything. You can put it in a smoothie, you can put it in cookies, you can put it soup, stews, anything. Right. So what does the product development stage look like then? Are you, how does ideation work? Are you in touch with like mentors to help you understand what you can turn crickets into? Or is that all you? Are you figuring this out? I mean. Well, that's when Gustavo Romero, Chef right, Gustavo yeah. Romero came in. So we met from him. Nixta in, in Minneapolis, from right? Nixta, yeah. yep. Um, we met him three years ago. We went to Costa Blanca Bistro, which was Hector Ruiz's restaurant and it was a pre-hispanic bug dinner because that's what we started doing <laughs> and the whole 10 courses i mean it was amazing and delicious um so we met gustavo there and he then the following summer had travail and we went to go talk we went to travail to see qua his his mexican cuisine dinner um at that same time, we had been asked to um, be at the state fair to do some cooking demos. And 
my thought was, again, I wanted to demystify it, show people how to put it in smoothies, how they could just use it in their daily life. And speaking with Gustavo there, he remembered meeting us and remembered we had a cricket farm and um, asked him if he would come and help us with those, with the demos. And he did, and it was amazing. He had, I mean, I'm up there with my little blender and <laughs> food processor, and he came out and had a, a five course meal going. We had people wrapped around the whole creative arts building. It was amazing. And we, people were really interested. And at the same time, we were at the farmer's markets talking with people. We were in the process of building our commercial kitchen. Um, so we weren't really selling our powder yet, but we could sell our cookies. Um, so then after we had such a great time with Gustavo at the state fair, we said, we'd really love you to come to the farm and kind of come see what we're doing. And, and cause he's been eating insects really his whole life. He knows what it should taste like. Mm -hmm. So he really taught us that and came in and looked at our process and helped us actually with a finishing feed for the crickets. Um, and he now does really all of our spices and helps us with the whole roasted crickets. Most of the baked goods that we have, that's been myself and we actually have another friend who's working for us now who makes the granola bars. So he had an awesome granola bar recipe and we collaborated and to make the adventure bar. You talk about this state fair venture and how mm -hmm. there was just such a long line and it's heartening to hear that because it sounds like people are starting to you know, feel more comfortable with this type of thing. But aside from that, how do you even approach public perception and breaking down this idea that bugs are gross and not to be eaten? Because mostly everywhere else in the world, it's really not a problem. Exactly. But especially here in America, where we are just so used to things being clean, we like to be secure. And then we, we associate bugs with that creepy crawly that we see in maybe the living room or something. Right. So how do you how do you go about changing that public perception then? I think we also like to say that you're eating bugs all the time and you just don't know it. <laughs> right, because you know, the, yeah, the, a certain amount of like bug parts exactly. are, allowed are allowed in foodstuffs, which food. is yeah. freaky to think about. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if you can just get wrap your head around that, it's pretty easy. <laughs> so, if I mean, you're listening, you've probably eaten a couple pounds of bugs in your lifetime and didn't even know it. Maybe there's a few grasshopper legs in your spaghetti or something. Or yes. rat hairs. Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, the food, supplies, the food supply chain is so huge. There's going to be rodents. There's going to be bugs. It's just a reality yeah. of things yeah. that not many people know about. Yeah. It's inevitable that something is going to slip in. Right. We don't say that much, but I do like to open people's minds to that. <laughs> <laughs> just one, one level. Yeah, um, so step one, you're already eating one, bugs. <laughs> step two, jump on in. You yeah, know? right. It's always kind of fun to like get over that that fear of it. It's like... The, the show Fear Factor or something, you right. know, it's like a challenge. And uh, so we've, we've done stuff at like um, uh, the at, at bars where um, we we, sh we display our products and have people come up and try it. A beer and bugs event. Yeah, yeah beer and bugs events. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fun. People get a big rise out of that. And the little kids are the best because they, they jump right in themselves without even having to challenge them. They, they, they have no fear because they haven't been exposed to this like um, stigma yet. You know, they don't really see it as something that's gross. Or a pest. Yeah. Yeah. And so when they, they jump in and start eating the bugs, they love them right away. And then that spreads. Then the, the, the parents are usually willing to try it. And then, you know, the cookies themselves, you can't even taste it. 
And so they're wonderful. And then um, our adventure bars that Matt Rosine has put together, he's from the Baker's Dozen. We met at uh, the Hopkins Farmer's Market. Um, he does a great job. And so a lot of our products, you can't even taste the crickets in them. But when you can, it's really just a mild almond nutty flavor, if anything. And um, just it, it's really nice. I really encourage anyone to try it if they haven't already. And we talk about, too, how this isn't new. I mean, people ate bugs. For millennia, yeah. For just millennia. humans it's have always not, done it. <laughs> and, I mean, it was a necessity. It, foraging. I mean, people, it was always done. Um, and it wasn't until we became more of a farming industry that they became a pest. So it's kind of getting back to those roots and seeing, like, obviously this is something that our body has always needed. And... I think for people that are really scared and all my girlfriends at work, they're my biggest cheerleaders and I bring stuff to work all the time and I'll say crickets, are, are there crickets in it? And the powder, like Chad was saying, you really can't tell. And the powder is kind of the first step because then you don't see the bug, you don't see the face, you don't see the, the legs or anything. So really when you can just kind of get that going then i think the next step is eating a whole bug and you know then you can eat all different kinds of bugs because crickets are just the beginning so right and as you guys mentioned earlier you don't want to stop at crickets right, right? you want to go beyond that mm -hmm. yeah mealworms would be great um they're very tasty they're, they're easy to raise so that would probably be our next choice but that doesn't stop there. There are so many different species that are edible and all of them have their own unique quality and their own unique uh, nutritional profile. When, when you, we went to yeah. Ecuador with our friends, we were in the Amazon and we had what's called chantocuros, which are from the palm tree. And it's just this big white grub. <laughs> and it was... <laughs> it's a larva, right? It's Yeah, I mean, it was... But they roast them over they smoke them over the fire in the palm leaves and we thought okay we have to i mean the boys are on board you were on board i was going okay okay we're gonna do this and it had the most amazing taste it tasted like bacon but then it was like a marshmallow <laughs> it wow. just kind of was like this chewy <laughs> but it was amazing it I mean, was the, really the, good. the texture was a little off but it was really good and everybody in our group tried it which i was amazed by it was yeah. it was really yeah. fun and uh, we all really enjoyed it we uh, we ordered seconds and thirds I think, <laughs> even. there's a there's a netflix movie out there called the gateway bug so crickets okay. are kind of the gateway bug <laughs> well i think another great opportunity for bugs in general and specifically crickets is that we don't, we don't even have to take it to the bug phase because the powder alone has so many different uses. I mean, we could potentially revolutionize the food industry uh, with making a whole new line of protein powders that specifically focus on cricket powder, or you could revolutionize the sports bar industry with mm -hmm. ingredients that specialize in uh, cricket-based materials. Yep. And, and that could be applied to so many other different types of supplements and foods. Yep. I think people especially that our athletes are very interested because with whey or with pea protein, it's really heavy, it's bloating, and cricket powder, it is not. I mean, it actually heals your gut with the prebiotic, prebiotic fiber. And I think that there are lots of companies that are starting that right now and doing a good job. There's a lot of research going on now, too. Um, 
we've uh, we've given uh, we've sold our crickets to Purdue University, for example. Dr. And- Andrea Luciega down there has been doing a lot of research. Um, the Center for Insects is Food and Feed has been doing a lot of research, and recently um, Claire connected with um, Valerie. Oh, Valerie Stahl from the University of Wisconsin Madison, and she did a whole. She did the first study here in the U.S. on gut health, crickets with gut health. And so her next grant that she'll be, right now everything's shut down with COVID, but hopefully the next one she wants to partner with us to use our cricket powder, which we're excited about. And really it's, I mean, crickets have been, bugs have been eaten for millennia, but really there just hasn't been a lot of studies to show the nutrient density of them so it's really exciting that this is starting to happen more and more i have a feeling they're going to find that there's not only nutritional benefits but medicinal benefits as well um i think there's an article that purdue or some of those professors at purdue probably in collaboration with other universities as well they released that um they isolated um the protein and they found like i was saying just a little bit a little bit ago that they found that the cricket protein is anti-inflammatory, anti-diabetic, and anti-hypertensive. So they're trying to use it in pharmaceuticals instead of, um, so it's a natural product instead of a, you know, a synthetic product in pharmaceuticals, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool because like food not only can be thought of as like a, a, like a booster for your sport or nutrition, I mean, or just something fun to eat or tasty, it can be thought of as medicine, you know, and that's really cool. Like the way we eat can actually be thought of as something that can, can really improve our health. And I think, you know, that trend is picking up and can be really helpful, I think, out there. Especially right now. And I think a lot of people are at home and they're educating themselves. And it's really been the last year. I would say before COVID hit, we just, people knew what we were talking about. In 2015, people thought that we were like prank calling them. (laughs) If we said something about cricket farming, you know, they thought, is this a joke? What are you talking about? Just go eat a hamburger. What are you talking about? And now people are like, oh, I've heard of that. Okay, I'll try that. Yeah, I've been looking to change my diet. I really want to figure out how to incorporate this into my diet. It's really cool to see. That's only five years. It's it, I mean, it has grown people. And now with COVID, I think people, not only with sustainability, I mean, their health is number one. And so they're really looking for those healthy choices and options. And hopefully you guys can ride the wave of that ideology of food as medicine, mm-hmm. because uh, hopefully people are waking up to the, to the fact that pharmaceuticals aren't always the end all be all of health issues. Right. And uh, I think a lot of people realize that if they just do a 180 on their diet, a lot of things will go away that they thought were chronic. Yes, that's so true. Speaking from personal experience, just even from a mental health perspective, cutting out certain things from your diet. I know uh, almost mostly, almost entirely cutting out gluten has really helped me just be more (laughs) clear-minded and just... And just helped with my, you know, my faculties in general. So uh, hopefully others can, again, come to that same realization. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, I mean, how, how are you guys feeling about things right now with, with everything going on? The world is almost kind of on pause right now, but you're also trying to be pioneers of this new type of eating, this new product. I mean, where are your guys' head at right now? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, 
as horrible as this has been, it's it's the the, the epidemic. It's also been an opportunity for a lot of people to slow down, you know, and, and, and what we've seen is a lot of people have been cooking at home or baking at home. And so, you know, it gives them an opportunity to bake with cricket powder as well. So the prospect as far as like what the current effect is now, you know, it has slowed things down, but there's also a, in a business sense a way to pick for things to continue on, especially when people are cooking at home. Now, like Claire was mentioning before, this has kind of waked, awakened us all to our health and what we can do proactively for our own health. And um, so in the future, I think that, you know, this will be a, a growing industry. I'm, I'm, I'm betting my, my life on it, basically, my financial life anyway, my family's financial life. So um, that's how certain that I am that it'll take off. And like we were saying before, you know, sushi back in the 90s or something was kind of new for a, a lot of us. And, and look at it now, and I, I really strongly feel that insects in general, especially crickets, will probably be the same way, and who knows how long. Maybe it won't take as long. And there, there needs to be, um, I think, and we've been really slow and steady and kind of taken our time and learned our processes, and we're connected with Dr. Uh, Rao, who's the head of entomology at the U, and we've worked with the food science department there, and they've really helped us kind of really hone down and figure out those processes. And I think we've also had to teach ourselves these processes because it's not like there really was a book that's going to show you how to do this. Um, but I think that a lot more people need to start doing this, especially if it's going to become more of a movement and to really have it be a staple in this in the society here but you know not like these massive buildings where you come in and it's just like a cricket factory you know it's like these small family farms where it's just more sustainable and it makes sense i'm glad you brought that up sweetie because like um i just applied for a grant that um it's an sbir small business innovation research grant through the fda and um what, what I'm hoping to do is run an experiment to show that uh, farming is economic, economical for farmers out there. We've seen kind of like uh, a decline in, in the um, industry for farmers um, over the decades. It's becoming more corporate and not so much of a small family farm um, business. Well, where those families want to hang on, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, with this research, we can show that as cricket, the cricket industry picks up, it's an alternative source of income for them. And supplemental, yeah. And crickets are also a fun thing, too, as far as, like, looking at the future. We have a, a big hope, um, a big, hairy, audacious goal of getting our crickets, our seasoned roasted crickets, into stadiums, for example. I mean, they've already done it at the Mariners um, Stadium out in Seattle, and they took off like crazy. I think really? they sold, yeah, they sold out, like, in... What was it? Three games, and they thought three they games. had um, enough for the whole season. So, we're we're hoping oh that'll take God. place here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a fun thing. It's a health thing. It's a it's it's a lot of different things, and it can. I think really in the future, this is going to take off. And I think with all the all of the the nutritional studies coming out, they also are realizing just am how amazing, like the frass we were talking about, the cricket manure, how it's a fabulous fertilizer the exoskeleton of the cricket, which is has chitin. That's what really helps with the prebiotic fiber for the gut. But it also, they've found, can help build structures, like buildings wow. and walls. Oh my God. So the other grant that we're applying for with 
a student from the U is with NASA. And I'll let you explain that, Jeff. Wow. So, yeah, this is really cool because I'm, I'm working with this really smart guy. Um, his name he is... He said aeronautical, and I was like, okay, this <laughs> is right. Chad's. This yeah, is I, I studied <laughs> physics, so I was like, I, I tuned right into this, you know. But um, his name's Andrew Serene. He's a really brilliant um, student. He's, got, he's majoring in aeronautical engineering, minoring in entomo entomology and astrophysics. Oh, my gosh. So he's putting together this, like, this modular um, device that you can grow crickets in space, like on the um, surface the of shuttle. the moon. And, um, you know, what, like Claire was saying, even the cricket frass, the manure and exoskeletons can be used kind of to make it concrete. What's also cool about chitin in the uh, frass is that it acts as um, a signal to plants that they're being infested by insects. So, like... Um, the, the plant thinks it's under attack if you spread the frass around its roots. So it's kind of like, and it also has a lot of nitrogen in it. So it's a great fertilizer, and it's also a natural pesticide. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to use not only the crickets, but also the byproducts, and nothing's wasted. You know, we reuse our habitats. We uh, use the frass that they leave behind. We eat them themselves. And so um, it's really sustainable even on the scale of, like, the, the the closed circle of growing it itself, you know, not to mention the uh, benefits to the environment as opposed to other conventional forms of protein. Well, it was such a pleasure f to come by today and learn more about this. Um, if people want to support you, what are the best steps that they can take right now? We're online. Um, we're at Linden Hills um, Co-op. We're at Linden Hills Farmer's Market, which is frank and earnest. Um, farmers market and mini row which is a new grocery store that just opened in Hopkins and Monka beans which is a great coffee shop in downtown Hopkins so we have a few storefronts that we're in and then but mostly online well thank you so much for letting me do this with you guys today Thanks, during such Matt. precarious you, times Matt. yeah it's been a lot of fun Thanks. all right take care Hey there. Thanks for sticking around. I'll include all the ways to support Three Cricketeers in the description below. Be sure to follow the podcast on the official Instagram page, which you can now find at Food Under Fire Pod. You can now find it on Facebook as well under the same name. Keep in mind that I recently launched a Patreon for the podcast. Patreon is a service where, for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content and merch. It's optional, but if you're interested, visit patreon.com slash foodunderfire. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash foodunderfire. Find the link in the description as well. If you enjoy the show, consider subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You could also share with a friend or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again next time. Take care. <laughs>